From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. Um, yeah, and, and you know, heavily, heavily invested in, in automated manufacturing and 3D printing. Um, I'd say we have in the ballpark of somewhere between 300, 400 printers at Glidewell. And um, yeah, and, and, and all of the all the software that that runs our our automated manufacturing um, is essentially our own in-house platforms. That's Ankush Venkatesh. Ankush is the entrepreneur for additive manufacturing at Glidewell Dental Laboratories. In addition to writing for Harvard Business Review and Forbes, Ankush has also been a speaker at 3D printing events like Formnext and AM Strategies. Prior to his role at Glidewell, he was a strategy fellow at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College. In that time, he specialized in digital strategy and industry 4.0 technologies like additive manufacturing, IoT, and artificial intelligence and machine learning. He has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and master's degree in engineering management with a focus on product development and 3D printing. He's a former technology consultant, having spent two years with Capgemini Consulting, serving billion-dollar clients in FMCG, fast-moving consumer goods, in the functions of data analytics, dynamic dashboards, and SAP data migration. Before we get started, head over to www.3degreescompany.com and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, you can listen to your show anywhere you download your podcast, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or Stitcher. Ankush, thank you so much for joining the show today. I'm excited for the conversation. We've got a lot of topics to, to cover, and uh, why don't we just kind of get into it? Um, I like to start every show with a little bit of context on the person that, that I'm talking to. So would love to, if you could kind of share uh, kind of your early story. So where are you from? Kind of uh, how'd you grow up? Kind of what drew you to kind of the career path that you're on now? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, it's uh, very exciting to be here. Um, I think I think we met earlier this year at uh, at AM Strategies. So, yeah, happy to be doing this. Yep, in um, the green yeah, room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe I was, I was on a panel on uh, low cost mass customization. So, yeah, um, yeah. It's so um, I, you know, my name is Ankush. I'm from uh, I'm from India, but I, I kind of grew up uh, a little bit all over the place. Um, I grew up in a few different cities in India, and I also spent some time in the Middle East when I was growing up. Um, I'd say, you know, for me, um, early days was kind of, um, you know, it was very, very um, taken by, by physics and hence the mechanical engineering, um, you know, degree was was the obvious choice for me. Um, yeah, I, I think um, what, what really got me into, um, you know, prototyping, product development and those kinds of functions was was early days in my, uh, in my undergrad when we were working on a couple of projects and, you um, yeah, and actually, I was I was fortunate enough to be able to work on something that that was of great interest to me um, during my during my undergrad degree. It was um, we I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with Indian cuisine at all, but um, so so we have a we have a savory crepe that, uh, which is called like a dosa, and um, we we made a machine that would make um, dosas automatically, and and you know it could make multiple without human intervention. So. So that was kind of um, <clears throat> early days, and yeah, and it was definitely during my my undergrad where I discovered um, you know 
um, 3D printing. And I, I think back then it was called rapid prototyping, which is, which is kind of, uh, you know, uh, dating me a little bit, but. <laughs> so yeah, were you um, doing your, all this while you were in India or were you in the Middle East at this point? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 My, my undergrad was in, was in India and Bangalore. And um, yeah. And, and then, then after that, um, you know, I spent some time in, um, in, in consulting. Um, and then um, I also spent some time in the, uh, in the medical device industry. Um, I have a master's degree in engineering management with a focus on product development and 3D printing. Um, I was, I was in Boston for my master's degree and, um, yeah. And then, and then so I spent some time in the medical device industry again in product development. And, uh, just before my time here at Glidewell, I was at the, um, the Duck School of Business at Dartmouth College. Um, you know, I was working as a strategy research fellow, um, and I worked with, uh, Dr. Richard Devaney and <clears throat> he, he was essentially the, um, the, the brainchild behind hypercompetition, which is, you know, one of the more, um, one of the more uh, important concepts in uh, in philosophies in business strategy um you know philosophically it's kind of the the antithesis to uh, michael porter and um yeah it was it was, uh, it was such an important um kind of development in, in that field just the, the idea of being willing to, to disrupt um yourself as an organization before it's done to you and i think a lot of that um has really given me context and uh, a lot of learning for for my my current role at, at uh, Glidewell, um, yeah, and, and my, my current role at Glidewell is uh, entrepreneur of additive manufacturing. Um, what that means is there's there's some aspects of my role where I'm trying to uh, we're trying to figure out you know what are the, the maybe product segments or, or markets that that make sense to to enter into, uh, given you know Glidewell's expertise. Um, some of it is what what are the best ways of, of maybe utilizing or commercializing some of the technology that we've developed in-house at Glidewell. And, um, and then the other aspect is, um, you know, the, the additive manufacturing and kind of um, yeah, just, just building out the, 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 the overall structure and, and um, you know, hopefully streamlining some workflows. Um, Glidewell has a lot of software, so kind of helping build that, that manufacturing software platform. Um, yeah, and then just a little bit about uh, Glidewell. You know, Glidewell is one of the um, the largest dental labs in the world, uh, but I think it's a 52 year old company, um, founded and still based in Southern California. Um, yeah, and, and you know, heavily, heavily invested in in automated manufacturing and 3D printing. Um, I'd say we have in the ballpark of somewhere between 300, 400 printers at Glidewell, and um, yeah, and 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 all of the all the software that that runs our our automated manufacturing um, is essentially our own in-house platform. So yeah, so it's a very, very interesting time. Awesome. Now, a lot of questions. So I'm going to start with this. So, I mean, it sounds kind of as you build, you're building your career, you've got kind of this technical grounding, mechanical engineering, you like physics, but also there seems to be a big interest in how businesses run or how businesses run themselves and operate themselves. So what, what kind of drew you to that? Like what, what interests you about that aspect of this mix of new technology and business models and how they interact both internally and with the external competition? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as an engineer, um, I, I think I've, I've been excited about, you know, technologies or, or, or methods of manufacturing just because of what it can do but then i think what's really interesting about looking at the business side of um specifically additive is is just um how much 
that the innovation on that side of the of the table is 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 contributing to to actually you know propagating this technology and 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 making it making it a kind of viable um, you know production method. And I think given given the possibilities of additive, um, I, I'd say that they're both equally important, if not you know the business side of it more, just because. Um, I mean, people think of 3D printing, um, you know, as like a recent technology and, and it, it kind of isn't, you know, it's, it's been around 20, 30 years. And, and, uh, and yeah, so, and, and I think I personally believe that the, the more we can, the more we can kind of make, make those, um, you know, business models work, the more we can kind of um, break the, the, the mold in, um, in, in the way we're implementing some of this and in the way we're, you know, we're, we're making products. I think, I think that's definitely going to help, um, you know, launch additive to, I guess it already is, but yeah, like pretty a very, very mainstay in, in modern manufacturing. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that on like specific to dental? So, I mean, dental and additive have kind of been paired together for a number of years, like you mentioned, but like, what is it about maybe that the technology that, fits well into a business case for dental and maybe kind of stream that into like, when you say like, we've got 300 printers, like what do you do with all of them? <laughs> what, what are you printing? <laughs> what, are, what are some of the product lines that, that you guys are using this for? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it, when you look at the dental industry, um, it's, it's almost um, the, the perfect, you know, use case for the adoption of additive. And, and that's one of the reasons why it was such an early adopter of, of the technology was because if you look at the, um, you know, the graph of, of mix versus volume, so, you know, low mix products and high mix products, and then just the volume that you're doing, it's, it's essentially at the, the top corner of that graph. You know, it's, it's the highest um, mix possible because every single product is unique. It's, it's, you know, fitting one particular patient. It's based on that particular patient's geometry. Um, you know, <clears throat> it's not really made to stock or made to order. And, and, and then again, the, um, on, on the volume side, you know, it's just, just the sheer volume of, of, uh, of a large dental lab being able to mass produce these these items i think i think additive is is kind of um an excellent choice in that um in that particular um part of this graph so so i, th I think that's why it makes sense um and 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 i would say in the last you know maybe 10 or so years just because of the um the advancements in in the way we can handle um you know geometries and topologies just with with the software being able to handle some of these uh digital you know workflows I think that that kind of really lends itself to, to streamlining into additive and, and making it uh, making the right choice. So when I go to a dentist, kind of or like, a, where does the work you guys do come into into play? Like, what what are you making? Is it aligners? Is it like retainers? Like, there's all sorts of these dental devices yeah. that can go into your mouth. Yeah, no, no, I should I should have started yeah. with a little bit of that. But so essentially um, what a dental lab does is um, we make uh, the products that either the dentist doesn't want to make themselves or that they, you know, that they don't necessarily have the equipment to, to make. Um, so, um, you know, it's when you're going to a dentist, if, if, um, if, if the dentist is going to uh, prescribe a you know, a device to you, then unless the dentist has the, the manufacturing or the machine in-house or, or technicians in-house that are, that can make them, um, you know, we're going to get that order. And then, because we have, we essentially take advantage of the scale um, at, at which we're doing this. And, um, and yeah, and then to answer your other question, um, Glidewell is focused on um, restorative and preventative devices. So, um, 
so you know, we make crowns and bridges. Um, and, uh, and then on the preventative side, we have, um, you know, um, bite splints, we have night guards, we have sleep devices, migraine devices, and, um, yeah. And then we also have, um, the other products like, um, dentures and, um, you know, implants. So yeah, we, we don't do, um, orthodontic products, so we don't do aligners, but, uh, almost everything else, um, you know, we cover in, in the dental industry and um and and to answer your your previous question about what are the things that are being printed I, um early on in the dental industry additive was mainly being used for you know making models uh, of the of the patients so so they were more sacrificial in the sense that they weren't the final product so you know they'd um i mean obviously the workflows were, were a lot more uh, time consuming back then but but essentially the the geometry of the patient's jaw gets 3D printed and then that 3D printed model is then used to make a retainer or, or, or some other product because, you know, it, it's either going to conform to that or they're using that geometry to make the final product. So, um, but, but I'd say in the last few years, um, you know, the advancements in the machines and advancements in the materials have, uh, have really kind of, um, you know, pushed the dental industry forward. And, and, you know, as of today, we, we, we make, all the night, all the preventive devices I mentioned, you know, we're we're three printing them. So night guards, bite splints, um, you know, those sleep devices, um, we're three D printing the direct uh, final appliance that is actually going to go into the patient's mouth. So our most like, like crowns and bridges, I think of kind of metal for some of the bite guards and night uh, night splints. If I'm getting the terminology right, more kind of the plastic side. So are you doing a mix of of materials? Yeah, I'd say uh, primarily um, our, our printing is on the polymer side. Most of our um, printers are, um, you know, photopolymerization technologies. Um, but we do have, um, you know, metal printing uh, in-house. And, and, and those are used for, like you said, either some of the older crowns, which used to be um, metal or partially metal, um, or, or they use for, for partial dentures, which, which again is, um, you know, uh, is a product that, that has to interface. But um, some, some specific workflows and some specific dentists prefer the, um, the metal um, just because, I guess um, you know, older workflows and then also longevity of, of some of those um, some of those materials. Yeah. And from re- your role, I mean, how you're kind of working with a lot of different technologies, kind of educating both the dentist, dentist office, the, and patient, like all of these different like stakeholders in this process, your own organization on this, like how. How much has 3D printing disrupted the conventional model, or like how, like what, what did this look like before 3D printing, and what, what has kind of changed, or, or what some some of the benefits that keep sustaining this as a as a viable business approach? Yeah, yeah, and, and I'd say you know, um, like we discussed earlier, the, the dental industry isn't a newcomer to the adoption of additive, and so before additive, you know, which is maybe 15 years ago, um, a lot of the a lot of the processes and workflows were, were centered around, um, you know, they were either using um, wax or, or stone models that were pouring plaster in and essentially um, using like the, the, the impression that, um, you know, the patient's going to bite into it. So just like a PBS impression and then using that to pour plaster in that then forms the positive of the, um, you know, of the, of the patient's jaw. And then those are then going to, uh, those models are then going to get cleaned up um, by, by skilled technicians. So, you know, small cutting tools and, um, refining that geometry. And then, 
those yeah once that model is ready it's then used for um you know making the final product um in sacrificial weight just like just like with the other workflow so so additive is definitely um you know sped up the the process of of that model creation but then also now um you know thank because of the because of the advancements in, in the materials we're we're printing them directly so so if and in the dental industry the um there is a rise in the number of dentists who have intraoral scanners so instead of taking uh, those essentially just you know get the the entire data of of the patient's um you know teeth and and that can replace the the physical impression that the patient had to send in and so what that does is that that digitizes that workflow at the beginning of you know as upstream as possible at the moment the patient's in the chair it's digitizing that workflow so you know because of additive uh, and its ability to work with, uh, with with digital files it's essentially more um, more digital technology so the moment that that um, geometry is captured by the scanner that can essentially be sent uh, directly to to our workflows you know our software is going to clean up that data make sure it's um, it's ready our our designers are going to you know um, make sure that the the final appliance that's being designed is is the right fit spacing our quality and then sent to the printer directly so so there are some workflows today that essentially don't enter the physical world until the final device is printed which is which is kind of um, you know from a digital manufacturing perspective that's that's an ideal case yeah, and I, I've happened. I've been to. I've had the chance to go tour a dental lab where they're not just using three D printing, but also a variety of technologies. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed at the number of steps and the hands that ex- <laughs> these parts yeah. go through. Whether it's cleaning, design, marking, labeling, shipping, and so three D printing. If you think about it, is a very small part of the overall workflow, right? Of of, of yeah. this. So how do you what are some approaches that you guys have, have learned or practices or even developed in-house to make that process a little bit more scalable, right? If you're going to do hundreds of thousands of parts every year, they're all custom. How do you make sure that Joe's night guard is, is his teeth and that he gets them at, at the end of the day? Right. Yeah. Um, so we, we actually have, um, you know, a, a very, very talented, um, team at, at Glidewell, both on, on the on the hardware automation as well as on the software side. Um, so we have a lot of in-house developed software that that's able to deal with these with these files and meshes. Um, and, and I'd say one of our advantages as, as an older dental lab, you know, as a company that's 52 years old, is just the the raw amount of data that we have. And so we were able to to, to use a lot of that data and and you know really streamline kind of specific aspects of our workflow. So when we're getting in, um, it, whether it's scan data or it's a physical impression that we're then scanning in-house. Um, oh, by the way, we've, we've also made our own uh, micro CT scanner because it, it's more effective for, for scanning impressions. Um, you know, it doesn't depend on line of sight like uh, most, most scanners. Um, so yeah, so whether it's that physical impression that's being scanned or it's the, the digital impression that's coming from the intraoral scanner, we're able to um, you know, we have automated workflows to clean up that data to, to make sure that it's it's falling within certain um, you know quality requirements. Um, we're also able to um, suggest uh, designs for for these patient uh, geometries, and so e- each of the steps of that workflow are you know 
it, it's really fine-tuned to, to take out a lot of um, time-consuming effort where essentially a human doesn't add as much value. Like the, the human adds the most value where there's a complex problem with not as much data available and, you know, there, there's a judgment call that needs to be made. And, and so that's, that's, that's where, you know, um, that, that's where most of our, our human interaction in some of these workflows are. So if it's something just as simple as, um, you know, cleaning up scan data or, or, or something that can be automated, um, you know, then we've, we've pretty much done that. And, uh, and on the software side, you know, we, we even have <clears throat> um, the way our platform set up is we even have APIs that are, um, you know, services, essentially. So we have internal microservices that that are called by different departments and different workflows and, um, you know, Based on based on the case, based on the scan data, based on what uh, what the dentist needs, we can we can run them through se separate workflows and um, you know have 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 the appropriate output. How do the dentists get you the information that you need? So I mean, you have the internal scanner, so I imagine mm -hmm. like they can. Is it all through email? Like, do you have like a platform set up? Like, how does that all like? Where's the funnel start from a dentist? Because I I mean I don't I don't think of dentists as engineers in, in many senses, like perhaps they, they are, can, can build their own devices, but like, how do you get this, the technical information that you need to accurately kind of make the, the models or make the devices at the end of the day? Yeah, and that's a good question because again, just like with the the workflows in our labs, um, a lot of the the work the way that information was transferred used to be a lot more uh, manual and a lot more you know pen on paper. Well, this is what I want in, in um, this particular case needs uh, this kind of attention or or, or this uh, particular design element because of you know it needs extra thickness or something like that. Um, but but nowadays I'd say. Obviously, with the advent of intraoral scanners, but then also with um, you know, with just better um, better digitized systems that that the dentists have access to. So you know, whether that's um, just their, their practice management, or whether that's a system that they're using to communicate with us as a lab. You know, um, we have a close relationship with our dentists, so so we have our own system set up to kind of um, put in some of that information so that we're minimizing the amount of unstructured data that we're getting. It right, so so. To, to facilitate like the most streamlined digital workflow, we want as little as possible of, of like a handwritten note um, on you know on the side of a of an order form. So so some of that might still happen, but essentially we're we're, we're trying to minimize that in in the incoming funnel that happens. So um, you know when when those cases are being sent to us, we we have um, you know, the dentist can specify well uh, this has to be a night guard, and then they can also specify um, you know maybe rough area of thickness because the dentist is aware of um, how much this particular patient needs, how much material um, you know is is adequate for for solving this particular patient's problems, um, and yeah, and so uh, it's 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 a it's a combination of the two, but but I have I have to say that all of that is is constantly getting more and more digitized and, and more and more streamlined into that funnel. So going back to this idea of three, 300 kind of printers that you have capabilities to use. I mean, one of the always balances with, with 3d printing is you've got this idea that, okay, Hey, we can get a process to work. You guys have already scaled that. And then kind of your role also seems to be looking at new technology, new materials, like what's that balance between making sure that, hey, our process is super optimized, we're, we've got the right printers, we've got the right scale versus um, 
kind of the ability to integrate new technologies in when they become appropriate kind of runway like hey this printer all of a sudden is 10 times faster like we need to get this in but then we have to qualify it and all the medical device stuff that you have to to go through with that yeah i think i think um the underlying um, answer to this can kind of go trace back to um you know gladwell's culture of innovation and because of that we're constantly evaluating new technologies uh you know new materials new processes um and and i think that that's 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 a huge advantage because we're we're making sure that we're constantly kind of you know um not just making our products better but also um like you mentioned some of my role the overlap is what what else can we be doing and and what 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 new can we be doing and um yeah it's it's very interesting because i, I think we're always at a point where we're evaluating at least two or three different technologies um and and so and and that will continue to be the case um specifically even just in additive because of how um you know with in the last few years there's there's been a lot more explosion in um technologies um technology providers there's been explosion in in venture capital you know there's a lot more funding and um and yeah and and so that that makes it an exciting and fast moving um you know space for us to to make sure that we're constantly keeping tabs on and then uh the the other side of that is as as a as an entity that's operating at scale we're we're always validating um you know the individual processes so so um like you said sometimes the regulatory concern can be you know with with maybe one or one or two specific um points in the workflow but but a lot of the times it can be well we've validated this entire process and we know that this process as we've you know laid it out definitely works and complies to to not just um, the regulations but also it complies to our quality standards and um, you know the way the way we were measuring our products so yeah that's that it's really, really helpful as you don't have to name any specific names here but kind of from your pro- like from your perspective like how do you go about selecting equipment because that that's always a question that that comes up in some of the conversations we have and everyone has seeming their their own approach but kind of what are you guys looking for not only in terms of like technical specs but there are other other aspects in terms of how you are you leasing are you buying or what's the service like what sorts of evaluation criteria do you guys tend to look at yeah i mean we're, we're always buying um we don't really lease but um but i think for us the the primary concern is um you know are are the products that that are going to be produced with these machines are they up to par so you know does the material properties uh, hold up do the um um just just the regulatory concerns is that is that compliant is that something we need to worry about and then the other side of it is what because we're operating at scale we have to ask questions like what is the throughput you know are we going to um are we going to be able to fit this into our workflows and, and does does the speed of this make sense is this going to slow our slow down our you know our, our lead time is is going to make us um more efficient more streamlined in the way we we process that um the other you know the other important considerations i think more and more um are becoming questions which i think more people in the industry should be asking but questions like well, this machine seems great but can we integrate into our 
digital manufacturing platforms can we integrate into our you know our orchestration engine or can we can we do we have the kind of um, software connectivity or, or or just the the visibility that that we might need to, to be able to run um, you know these kind of production lines at scale and, and I think that's that's kind of where uh, we're seeing a lot of um, you know really really fast improvement in additive there's so much um, there's so much activity in the software space recently just because I think the last few years before um, the hardware had kind of overtaken the software just a little bit, which, which considering today's software capabilities in, in other industries is very surprising. That almost never happens. And uh, yeah, so, so, so I think looking at that side of it is also um, is sort of really useful. And so kind of coming back to different career paths and, and your own, like, do you want to speak to some of the different roles that you have at Clydewell that kind of touch and interface with added manufacturing? Just so can I give people an idea of like, hey, like this dental sounds like an interesting industry, like what sorts of jobs are out there? What sorts of kind of roles would be involved in, in making these types of products? Yeah, um, so you know, my, my role at, uh, at Glidewell, like I mentioned, th- there's, there's some of it that's kind of very, very you know, blue ocean um, exploring new uh, markets, new areas, new products. Some of it is that, which is very exciting, um, and some of it is is also how we how we're gonna try to try to make the most of our um, of our production capacity, but then also the the expertise that we have in us. So whether that's R and D expertise, whether that's uh, you know software expertise, or just the automation. Um, and I think it's it's it's. It's an interesting interface with additive because the, the the materials properties over the last few years have, have been really stepping the game up, and so that's kind of opening up a lot more uh, applications that that um, you know that, that can be produced additively. I, I think that it's it, that, that's a huge advantage because the um, some of these products specifically in in industries like whether it's dental or just dental adjacent, so you know um, just um, personalized devices, not necessarily dental, but I, I think they're really driven and accelerated by, okay, well, this is what makes sense for the patient because it's not necessarily, oh, wait, this is 3D printed. If, if the product isn't, you know, isn't significantly better or, or offering some kind of value or even as good as the previous products, most customers kind of don't care whether it's 3D printed. So, so you know, there's, there's a need to, to make sure that there's an actual reason we're 3D printing things, uh, not just because we can. And so, um, yeah, so, so I, th- I think that's, that's really useful. Um, a lot of what we're doing, um, you know, is, is very, very focused on, on how, how we can achieve some of these outcomes. And, and like I said, because of the, the advancements in, in software, being able to deal with, um, you know, uh, geometries and being able to make patient-specific products, you know, that, that mass customization, we're really, um, we're really at the point where we can... We can make use of a lot of things uh, available in the industry right now, but also there's constantly new um, technologies and new ways for us to take advantage of that. So, yeah, so, so that, that's kind of how, you know, additive is, um, is underlying a lot of the activities that, that's going on here. In terms of the dental industry, I'd say, um, you know, it, just especially with maybe some larger labs like us, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of interesting work being done in, you know, in, in automation in, in software as well, because, you know, dealing with these kinds of um, uh, meshes and, and, you know, three-dimensional geometries 
there's a lot of complex problems that are being solved. So, so, so those are two areas that are, I'd say, maybe the highest return in, in terms of, you know, how, how much they're propelling the industry, um, you know, being able to solve some of that, that software complexity and then also being able to automate things in on the manufacturing workflow. Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a huge advantage because it, in addition to providing the, you know, the credibility and, and the viability of, of additive, it, it also significantly brings the cost down, which, which you know, um, um, adds in, I mean, it, it aids in adoption. So that's kind of what we need. Um, and then the, the other areas that are also interesting in the dental industry, I think is um, definitely material science. There's, um, you know, there, there's so much that, that we can do today that we couldn't do maybe just five years ago. Um, and so, you know, hopefully that, that, that pace still keeps up. Um, you know, people have um, recently started 3 printing zirconia, which, uh, you know, and, and other ceramics, which is very interesting. Um, we make our own zirconia um, that we use for, for crowns and bridges, but all of that is uh, subtractive manufacturing and it's all completely automated on our side. So, so it's not the added. So what advice would you give people that are kind of starting their career and, and moving, looking at additives saying, Hey, like this seems like an interesting area. It seems to be growing. Um, from your own kind of perspective, your own career, kind of what's one piece of advice that you would share with kind of the, the up and coming generation? Yeah, I'd say, um, uh, you know, my current role is, is really, really helped me um, think about the, the function that an entrepreneur plays in an organization um, and not just for the benefit of the organization, but ideally even for the benefit of, um, you know, the, the customers and, and the industry in general, I'd, I'd say, one piece of advice is the the philosophy of what an entrepreneur is. I think is um, is a lot more universal than, than people like to think, and I think it's, it's something that anyone, especially someone who, who's coming up, uh, you know, uh, early in the industry, that that's a philosophy you should you should always make sure you're having regardless of your role. So the the ability to to not just um, look at new things or, or look at things in new ways and, you know, figure out what else is possible to, to maximize outcomes, but also making sure that you're, you're approaching it from both the, the engineering and technology perspective, but also the business perspective, because, you know, that, that, that kind of uh, encapsulates what, what, uh, what a successful product or successful um, business model is. So I, so I think those are, those are really, really interesting things. And then specifically to additive, I guess some of the, um, you know, some of the advice that I give was maybe um, make sure that you're, you're aware of why this excites you because some of those, um, some of those values and some of those philosophies of why things excite you are, are really going to help you figure out which specific part of this, you know, massive industry you might, you might fit it well, best in. I think that's, that's a, that's, that's a, that's an interesting, you know, thought experiment to do for yourself, just to, to kind of think through, okay, well, some of these things excite me, but, but the, the, the reasons they excite me might, might inform me more about whether I'm, you know, I'm, um, I want to be on the machine maker side, or I want to be on the application side or the material side. And, and I think that there's, um, there's, there's a lot of thinking to be done there. And um, yeah, and it's just, it, it's so exciting right now for, for people coming up, just given, 
given the access to tools that we have, um, you know, the, the ubiquitous access to the printer hardware, the, the ease of access to the software that's like in so many times more capable than, you know, the software that was available maybe 10, 20 years ago. So yeah, it's, it's very, very exciting. So last question. So what's exciting you in, in your role or just what you're seeing in the industry um, that's coming down the pike, maybe in the next three months, six months, or even a year, kind of what's, what are you really excited about? Yeah. I think, um, you know, like we discussed, even though additive is not the, the newest um, industry, the, the, the push for really squeezing out every last drop of, of efficiency or, um, you know, the value for the customer in terms of what, what the technology can do, what the software can do, um, I think we're still very, very early days in, in the ways that we're utilizing or maximizing each step of that. So, you know, if you, if you take the different components of uh, machine, material, software, and, and workflow, I think there's there's a lot more value that can be, um, that can really be added on, on each of those verticals and each of those uh, aspects of it. Um, the things I'm most excited about is that we're still in, in the early days of, of really making the most of, of um, how we can maybe uh, create complex geometries and how we can customize products for people. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully in the next 10 to 20 years, the, the process of making customized products is, is going to be something that's, that's so universal that, that it'll be, um, you know, it'll be a stark contrast to, to what we were doing maybe a decade or two ago where we're making things to, to stock. And um, yeah, so I, I think those are the things that I'm definitely excited about. Um, there's, there's so much uh, that can be done necessarily mean everything should be done but i think there's definitely a lot of value in um in, in trying to make sure that th these are optimal patient outcomes or you know customer outcomes and then yeah i'd say i'd say just, just the, the personalization of it and then um you know the, the the distributed nature of what additive might be able to to accomplish is is also something that that's interesting um you know uh, I wonder how, how that's going to pan out, um, but 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 there's a there's a significant case to be made for for certain categories of products or certain um, you know specific use cases where, where where the distribution of that manufacturing makes sense, uh, especially with with the ease of how how digital everything can be these days. You know, you, you can have patient data sent to you digitally. You can have um, you know workflows and processes and, and um, entire design processes automated digitally. None of that has to be uh, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily need to be done by a human. And, and so there's, there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of value that can be um, added with, with the distributed nature of that. So, so hopefully in the next decade or two, we'll, we'll see some really, really interesting models come up to, to how we're able to make the most of this. Fantastic. Appreciate the time today and look forward to keeping track of what's going on in dental. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm curious though. Um, you know, you you speak to so many people in uh, in the industry from from different parts of the industry. You know, um, on, on every single side of it. I'm curious as to what are the things that that are, are most exciting you right now. I think there's still a big need for the plumbing of the industry and kind of the infrastructure. So there's a lot of duplicate efforts across the industry, whether to get material properties or get allowables or design frameworks that um, for a long time, that was proprietary information for most companies. Like in the yeah. general scheme of things, it's probably not that interesting other than you have to pay a lot of money to get all the testing done. 
And so I think there's a lot of opportunity there, um, some of which we're working on with uh, some of our software tools that um, are, are hoping to address some of that. So I think that's still a big piece of the, the overall additive puzzle is just making it easier for people to adapt it. Yeah, that's very well put, the plumbing of the industry. I totally agree. Awesome. All right, cool. well, thank you so much for having me, Mike. Absolutely. Thanks yeah, so much. Pleasure.